Hello, friends. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis, and I'm so excited for you to listen to this podcast to break down more and more and so that within you seeing how this is being broken down, how this is evolving within me, that it can evolve within you too. So in the interview today, um, I am talking with a podcast listener, June, who is the most beautiful soul. And in my conversation with her, you're going to hear her say, that when she is in, as a black woman, when she is in conversations with white women, she is cognizantly aware that they are filtering what they're saying to her. And until June presented this information this way, I'm going to be honest, friends, I really hadn't seen that within myself. But what happened is, The angels were so surrounding all of us in this conversation. And as she was speaking, my angels were taking me back to different conversations in my life and showing me the thoughts within my mind as I was interacting in conversation with different people. And what I found was that my interactions with white women are unfiltered. I feel that now. I see that now. And I can also see where my interactions with black women are filtered. And friends, I can so see now where looking back that my conversations with white women are not filtered. I'm not worried about anything. And so I'm fully speaking my mind, but that when I am in a conversation with a black woman, I'm constantly running through a filter. Am I going to say something wrong? Am I going to say something hurtful? Am I going to say something in a way that I don't mean it or that I don't want it to be perceived wrongly? And I'm going to say too that over the last week and a half, what has really come through to me that I have to work on based on everything that I have been through is my own perceptions of men. And this is every race of men. This is uh, gender because that comes out in this episode too in a way that I had not seen before. Because friends, if you were to have have asked me two weeks ago, Julie, you know, are you racist? I would say, I don't have a racist bone in my body. I have had black friends. I have, you know, ancestors who helped fight against slavery. I, you know, I would have used all the excuses in the book, but it's the but, 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 but this, but that. There is no but. I have no excuse. I see myself and I want to go deeper into this so that I can uncover all of the parts of my shadow, all of the parts of my ego that I didn't even know was there. Because when I do that, wow, it not only helps me to teach from a different perspective, it brings healing about more. And I don't typically do this, friends, but I'm going to do it today. I want to read to you what I wrote for the angel message Monday. 
Because what I was trying to say in Monday, I don't think I had my thoughts fully formed, but this message that I wrote just kind of was channeled through me. So I want to read that to you now. Healing begins when we acknowledge the pain in another. Friends, this week I have learned so much, but have really only truly begun to scrape the surface of what I need to know. In the spiritual community, some teachers continually use the terms like let it go, accept what is, or we tell people what you're experiencing was in your soul's contract. You came here to experience this hardship. But friends, when we do this, we bypass the pain in our fellow human beings. We sweep the core of the problem under the rug. We hide the problem instead of acknowledging that it is a problem or that a problem exists, which makes the hurt party feel like he or she is crazy. In doing all of the above, we perpetuate widespread global issues that are causing pain in the lives of groups of human beings. We also perpetuate the hurt and the pain within individual human beings here on earth. In essence, we stunt the growth and the healing process of humanity. In order for healing to begin in the black community, we must say, yes, there is a problem. I see it. And do not add a but after that, but this. We need to say, I acknowledge that I played a role in this problem with my silence, with my passiveness, with my not wanting to see that there is a problem because it benefited me. We must say, sorry. I'm so sorry for the role I played. I will do better. I will learn from you so that you don't have to carry the burden alone so that I can teach others who held my mindset. Friends, I am so sorry for the role that I played with my blindness, my silence, my passiveness. In the podcast episode Monday, I laid out action steps that I am taking to change in my personal life and in my business. I go on in the angel message to say, Friends, I have been seeing Jesus a lot in my meditations this week. He keeps showing me the anger and the fury at businessmen within the church for upcharging people from out of state who came to his town for Passover. This is the story within the Bible where Jesus flips tables. His message is clear. We can be spiritual and angry at the same time. We can be spiritual and take action at the same time. We often hear the phrase from the Bible, faith without works is dead. Let's modernize this a little bit. Living in high vibration without taking action on the world's injustices is not living in the highest vibration we can. There's a reason you see angels wearing armor. They are fighting the egoic mind within each of us. We can help them in their battle by taking ownership of where we allow our egoic mind to dominate us. We can take ownership of our silence and our inaction and change it. We can start here and we can take action now. And we can take action in our own way. Friends, if you are a quiet person, more shy person, perhaps you're not going to be speaking publicly and that's okay. But what forms of action resonate with you the most? 
It may just be learning and it's okay to start there. So friends, that was the Monday angel message. And I have so been praying about this and I I hope I conveyed it in the right way Monday, but I want you to know that moving forward, this podcast still is about angels. It's still about spiritual awakening. But what we're going to do here is grow more deeply together. What we're going to do here is bring on therapists, bring on people who know more than I do so that they can help teach us different things. And friends, what I think you're going to find is that over the next six months, the next year on this podcast, we are going to look back at ourselves and be like, wow. I didn't know how much I could still grow, could still awaken spiritually, could still feel more from the other side than ever before, tap in more with my alignment, with my highest vibration that is, and that is what I want for you. If you feel that high vibration now as I'm speaking, It is because you resonate with, you feel it as truth, and you are along for this journey this next year of going deeper together. So I'm really, really excited about growing with you and bringing on people who are just going to expand our minds, our hearts, our vibrations higher, higher. It's happening. There is so much coming together behind the scenes. What I want you to know is that I am going to be taking the next two weeks from the podcast. So this will be Monday's episode and the Monday after that. And you will hear pre-recorded podcasts that I had recorded before. I need some time to reach out to people. There are a lot of people who are being bombarded right now who are asked to be coming on different news outlets. So um, I need some time to kind of get on, get some people uh, on the books to be interviewed on the podcast, but we're working on it behind the scenes. So as you listen to the next two weeks of episodes, know that we haven't forgotten about this. Know that we are working on everything behind the scenes. We just need a little bit of time to format it, to put it all together. So thank you for your grace in allowing us that time to pivot and to bring us those experts who are just, wow, going to expand us and help us awaken so much more. All right, without further ado, here is today's show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm Julie, and I am here today again with Divya, my co-host, and with June. June and I actually had a session as this airs two weeks ago, and Spirit really brought us together. I feel like June Spirit brought us together for a reason. Um, I'm so glad that you're open and willing to coming on the show. June, tell us more about yourself. Yeah, so I am 27. I guess I'll start there. Um, I am a Black woman living in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. My Day-to-day, I work at a furniture store. Um, I've been back now uh, two days back at work since being on the quarantine. Um, I was I did really enjoy some time away from work, um, but it was interesting getting back. The second day was a lot easier than the first, I'll say that. 
just as far as me in general, I'm a creative. I do graphic design work, interior design work. Um, I just love to make things with my hands. And yeah, I've got two dogs and a fiance and I'm a new homeowner. And that's pretty much me in a nutshell, I would say. That is awesome. And if anybody is listening who is involved with HGTV, you need to connect with June because (laughs) she is going to have her own show one day. I can just see it. Um, She's an interior designer and her work is just gorgeous. So you need to check her out and connect with her. Thank you, Julie. You're so sweet. So, okay, we are here sharing stories to allow white listeners to feel. And so many of us are so empathic, right? And being empathic is feeling the vibrations that another person experiences. And this journey has opened us up to experiencing and feeling those vibrations that we weren't open to before, that we didn't make time to invest in, to hear, to listen, to see. And so I want you to take us through points in your life where you have experienced racism or just your natural day-to-day and how things have shifted or changed for you because of people's perceptions. How does racism affect me in my day to day? So I'll just start with kind of what my partner and I have been talking about here at our house lately. So, you know, right now we're seeing a lot of really scary, ugly, painful, unfortunate things um, in the news, on our phones, on Facebook, on Instagram. Like we're getting hit from all sides with this really... Uh, painful images of of truth of what's happening in our world right now, and um, you know, I I don't remember who I've seen quoted saying it, but it's not that racism is getting worse; it's that it's getting filmed. Right? Is is what we're seeing, and it's it's so heavy. It's such a heavy thing for us all to be taking in all day long. And we're now, many of us have been in quarantine and we've had time to sit with this information and it's hard and you have to face it. And we don't have all these distractions. Like we have the time to sit and look and see just how ugly it is right now. Right. You know, it's so easy to go through your day to day and feel like things aren't that bad. Right. Like things aren't that bad. You know, I get to wake up every day, roof over my head. I'm not worried. You know, my dogs are happy to see me. I have a job I can go to. You know, I'm able to pay the bills and and things aren't that bad, right? But for a lot of people, life is not that comfortable. Um, And so unfortunately, a huge reason is simply because the way they look, simply because of the color of their skin. And we are getting to see how ugly that reality is for a lot of people day to day. It's not just, you know, something that we read about in a history book. It's there are people afraid for their lives in this country every single day. 
simply for the way that they look. And that is real. That is not just a story. And I think what we, what we need, and I'm sorry, I know you're asking me for like a personal story and I could, you know, I could tell you about how I bumped into a a lady at Lowe's while I was looking for a plant to buy. And she started asking me about patio furniture because she worked there. Sure. I could tell you those stories all day long, but what's going on right now is so much bigger. There is like this awakening happening. I am, I am witnessing an awakening in my own house, my own fiance right now, who we talk, we talk about race from day one. We talk about how real it is to be a biracial couple in the Midwest and the realities of what having children might look like. We talk about it every single day, but even that man, I mean, the first conversation we had, I, he was talking to me about, you know, how all lives matter and, and versus black lives matter. I mean, that was the first conversation that we had the day that we met. You know, so even this man that I live with every day who is very conscious of what's going on is having an awakening and realizing how much he didn't see, how much he didn't know about the reality of day-to-day life for black and brown and marginalized people in this country. Let's go back for a second because it is Sunday, June Seventh, as we're recording this, and at the beginning of this week, what I am saying on this podcast because we just recorded the episode for Monday and this is the episode for Thursday is that this is the best opportunity for those who are spiritual who can go deeper within their own spiritual awakening by looking at their own egoic mind right now. And I remember at the beginning of the week, I was riding in the car. We were going to go. My husband was driving. We were going to go run into Chipotle real quick, get something, bring it home for dinner. There was a white family that was jogging. And then there was a black man who was jogging later down as we drove. And Spirit said, notice within you that you just spent more time watching the black man jogging than you did the white family. You have no intent. You have no like hate within you, Julie, but you yourself just spent more time watching a black person than white people. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, why is that? And I think that that's the questions that we're all waking up to and the truth that we're all seeing within ourselves. Yeah. Well, it's, it's implicit bias, right? Explain that. So we are, we are and have been fed images our entire lives um, of what blackness looks like, of what whiteness looks like, of what they look like when they're compared to one another, right, in the media. And what you're not, what you're not getting is a whole or a true or a genuine story many of the times. You know, we, and that media, that stereotype that you get fed over and over, and the rhetoric that gets thrown out there, that seeps into your mind. And, you know, if you see 
uh, a black man play uh, a robber or a rapist or, you know, someone who is out to get, you know, a, a vulnerable white woman, if you, if you see that, you know, in your face enough times, or if you hear the kind of rhetoric um, on the news, things like, if you get that enough, when you encounter that black man in real life, and you don't see him at work, and you don't see him at school. He's not your teacher. He's not your neighbor. Uh, he's not your friend. If you're not getting a holistic image in your day-to-day -day life of what people who don't look like you actually are like, well, first of all, if you did, you would see they're just like you. But also, if you're not getting that, then all you're getting is this one-sided image of a caricature of what it means to be black in America. And that creates fear, it creates hate, it creates otherness. So whether or not you are a openly hateful person, if you actively um, try to be anti-racist, if you fall somewhere in between, whether or not you're aware on some level, there is going to be that experience of implicit bias. And, you know, I remember saying this to Mitchell maybe a few months before he went on to quarantine as we were having one of our conversations about this topic, that I have to recognize every single day that everyone who I encounter, because I encounter very few uh, black and brown people in my, in my workspace day to day, I'm uh, the only person of color where I work. Um, and have been for a long time in, in many different workspaces here in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, that I know that everyone that I encounter all day long is running me through a filter and has to remind themselves if they're the kind of person that would do that, that I'm a human being just like them. And how does it make you feel when they run you through that filter that you're the only black person working in Sioux Falls, South Dakota in this furniture store. How does that make you feel? Othered. <laughs> it's not just that it makes me feel othered. It's you're just constantly aware of it, right? You're constantly aware of having to bridge a gap between yourself and someone else. And it's no one is going to walk that bridge over to me, right? Like I've got to walk it over to you and I've got to show you the ways that we're similar without really like, I'm not going to say, hi, you know, I just want to make sure that you know that you and I are, are like, you know, but um, just through stories and conversation and getting to know someone through work, you just try to find things that you can um, have in common to try and, and normalize it. It can be extremely frustrating, though, because I am hyper aware of the prejudices that that I see in my coworkers. I am, you know, I remember being in a break room and someone is telling a story and saying something overtly racist that doesn't even cross their radar as a problem, and I don't want to say it <laughs> because say it. <laughs> I just don't, I just, for this person's privacy, I suppose yeah. I have to say it because I, I, if you, if you know me in this town, you know where I work and you can probably guess at a handful of people who this might've come out of their mouths and 
as much as I am for holding people accountable, I did hold her accountable in that space, but that creates really uncomfortable tension at work. Like to have to be an advocate for just who you are, just your race at work is, it just adds a layer that is so frustrating. Um, like in that moment I had, I had to speak up right instantly. My gut knee jerk reaction is like, you can't, no part of that is okay. Right. And what does it do? What does it do when you confront over racism? It sucks the air out of the room. Oh, definitely. I felt I'm that too. Yeah. And no one wants to say anything. And everyone's looking at you like you're crazy because you just called out racism for what it is. So when, I mean, there, when there are white people in the room who want to advocate for you in that instance, is there something that they could say that could take the burden or the weight off of you? Speak up speak up. Yeah. You know when something is wrong. You know when something needs to be said. You know when people are, when people who don't have a voice are not in the room and they're being spoken to in a way that is damaging, speak up for those people who are not in the room because that is how you connect. That is how you change minds. That's how you build a bridge. That's how we actually find progress in this world. You know, my partner, it's, I'm in such a unique position to watch a white man grapple with this moment in time, grapple with his own implicit bias, grapple with the fact that he knows he's going to raise black children one day, grapple with the fact that he knows he's been silent. We were sitting on our porch last night and we were talking about that conversation I told you when we first met and we were talking about black lives matter versus all lives matter. We were having a very passionate conversation as you can imagine. And he recounted for me his perspective from that day. Cause I'll admit I probably remembered it incorrectly. And he said, you know, you were saying black lives matter. And I was not saying all lives matter. I was saying, when you say Black Lives Matter, these people over here on the opposite side of the argument who are saying all lives matter, they don't understand. They can't see your perspective. They don't understand why you're so loud and so harsh and so brash and so angry. And you need to meet them in the middle. You need to dial it back. You need to water it down. You need to make it easier for them to eat, right? So they can see what you're talking about. And he said, but you know what? I was wrong because I need to be that person in the middle. I am a white man. I understand these people on the all lives matter. And I understand the way that their brains are working and their communities and their stories and what they've been told in their day to day. I understand why they think the way they do, but I also am blessed enough to have my mind open and I know why we need to say black lives matter. I speak both languages, so I need to be that person in the middle. Yeah. I need to bridge that gap, not you. You need to speak your truth, and you need to be heard, and I need to be the translator. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what we need from our white allies. We need you to be so angry about this. When it guts you to wake up to black bodies in your newsfeed under the knees of police officers, when it guts you, to see that you need it needs to hit you that way 
because these are people. And I'm not saying that you don't feel that pain. I don't know what you feel. I don't know how it hits you, but I need you to be angry and I need you to be loud. I need you to talk to your coworkers. I need to talk to your friends. I need to talk to your family. I need to talk to your racist aunt and your racist grandfather and all the people who think they're well-intentioned and so nice. And oh, if I'm not running around screaming N-I-G-G-R, then I'm not that person that is wrong or part of the problem. But if you're not speaking up for these people who can't be heard, if you're not translating that language, you're not doing enough. That's just what we need so much. We need to be heard. We need to be translated. Yeah. And that's what part of this is about is getting this message out to white listeners because a majority of the people who listen to this podcast are white women. And I can tell you, June, that I am so sorry for not speaking up sooner because I have been in those rooms where racist family members have said horrendous stuff. And I know what you mean when the air just gets sucked out of the room and you're in shock because you don't know exactly what to say. And I'm saying it's my fault that for so long I sat back and say, said, well, what do you say, right? And the point is I did not educate myself that so the next time that it would happen or the next time that it would happen or the next time that it would happen, that I would know what to say, that I would know how to shut that down. And that is the point that I have been trying to communicate on social media over the last week is that it's not enough to say I'm not racist. I thought racist people were the people that they showed in the South who have the big Confederate flag flying off of the truck who are, um, you know, the stereotype, right? Right. And it's not because my silence, my passivity in saying I don't know how to stand up is keeping this system. Because when I didn't stand up, then that family member did it over again and they did it over again and they did it over again. And not once, I'm so ashamed to say not once did I think to myself, wow, this is really unhealthy. I could actually educate myself on what to say so that the next time that this happens, I can shut it down. Yes. But I want you to know that you're not crazy, that I see it now, that it is happening, that it has been happening my whole life, that when um, my last name growing up was Julie Harris, and I'm not trying to center here, I'm just trying to educate Mm -hmm. Uh, The first boyfriend that I had, his last name was Harris, too. And um, he was a black man. And every boyfriend that I had after that, or every Harris that I brought home because it was a common name, my grandma would ask, well, is he black? Well, is he black? Well, is he black? Sure. And I did not know how to shut that down. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm so sorry for my passivity. I'm so sorry for my silence. I'm so sorry that in this podcast being up for a year and a half, there have not been, I don't think, any black guests on the show. 
I'm so sorry that on my team, I don't have black team members. This is a huge, huge problem. I am part of the problem. I see it. And I don't even know the half of it because I feel like I am an infant right now, just learning. And in a way, on the podcast, uh, especially, I'm afraid to talk because I don't want to sound ignorant and I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, but I'm willing to take that risk so that other people can call me out. To all people of color who are listening to this podcast right now, what I want you to do is to keep me accountable. I want you to show me where I could do better, what, um, if you're listening to any podcast episodes that have been on in the past and there's something that sounds like spiritual bypassing, I want to know so that we can go back and address it. I don't want this to be a two-week thing and it to end. And if you're one of those people who's like, Julie, I'm sorry, I'm not in for this. Well, then you don't have a place here because this is where we're going. And it's about spiritual awakening. It's about shadow work. It's about the egoic mind. It's about looking inward because my friends, prayer and positivity and living in a high vibration is nothing without action. Julie, can I ask you a quick question? What was your childhood environment like when you were growing up? So we lived all over the U.S. We started in the Chicagoland area. Um, we moved to Vermont, Missouri, Washington, right outside of Washington, D.C. in Fairfax County. We actually moved down to Louisiana for just a night before my dad and mom split. My mom took us up to Chicago, uh, but we spent some summers down there. And and I heard the most racist things growing up. I heard very racist things. And I did not know how to speak up. And I feel like, um, and I know this is centering, so I don't want to do it. And you know what, June, if this is white centering, you tell me, and I am taking this out of the episode. But I remember growing up, and there are pictures of me at age two where I have Michael Jackson t-shirts on and I have never identified with any other music except for hip hop and rap and I love my music. It inspires me. It drives me. And I say my music because nobody else in my family, I think, loved it the way that I did. And I always heard racial slurs towards me. Mm -hmm. of that I was more a part of that community than my own. And when I did stick up from time to time, and I don't look at my family and say that they're overtly racist, right? Like they're not out doing things, but there was shit said in the background. There's shit said at parties. There's stuff said behind the scenes. And because I, the first boyfriend, you know, and you're like puppy love, right? The first boyfriend that I had was black. Then it was a question constantly asked by people when my mom would say, well, she's dating somebody new. That was the first question that was asked. And um, yeah, so that's, that's my background. Yeah. I wanted to just kind of speak to your question about, about white zettering. It's so important to be conscious and aware of 
who's telling the story and whose story needs to be told, right? And so I just appreciate that that awareness is there. But then also, don't be afraid to to speak up and be an advocate and to tell your story and to say what needs to be said, right? Because that's a part of it. I remember, um, I mean, I've just got so many stories because (laughs) Mitchell and I are just really living this right now. Mitchell came home. um, I don't remember where he was at, but he was off by himself and he was wearing a a mask that said Black Lives Matter. And, um, And he was like, you know, am I like, I'm worried that I'm appropriating. He's like, I'm worried that if I'm using this language that I am culturally appropriating. I don't understand what appropriating is. Okay. So cultural appropriation is taking bits and pieces uh, from a culture that are appealing, profitable, and- um, The way that I like rap music. No, no. no. <laughs> because we need we need all art to be appreciated. There's it's such a, a gray topic. It really is. Um, but I, we see instances right in the media of people being called out for cultural appropriation, and usually it's something a little bit more extreme. Um, like I don't know. Well, I would say like recently there's been like um, not Rihanna, Nicki Minaj. Um, going and, and doing like full like Asian garb, right. For like a music video and just total like using Asian dancers wearing traditional Asian, you know, and I would argue that that's bordering on cultural appropriation. You know what I mean? Okay, um, yeah, I see like it. Sorry, uh, I interrupted your story. No, it's okay. 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 Um, but that would be the, the more extreme side is right? when you take pieces that you want from a culture, like a lot of people would argue different things about white rappers, right? That you get to take all the cool parts about blackness, about hip hop, and you don't have any of the risk because your skin is white. And then you get to benefit financially um, from this culture that people bled and died literally to create and who people who were barred from profiting from their own work, right? Like that's, that's a complicated topic around cultural appropriation, right? Anywho, so, so Mitchell comes to me, you know, worried that he's cultural appropriating by wearing this Black Lives Matter mask. And what I wanted to speak to that is, what is your intention? Mm. Are you speaking up for Black, Brown, marginalized people, right? If you are trying to go out of your way to speak up on the behalf of someone who does not have a voice, we need you to do that. Don't be afraid to do that. That is not cultural appropriation. That is advocacy. That is being an ally. And that is what we need. And so I, so I literally said when he turned to me, we're standing in the kitchen, he says, I'm, am I culturally appropriating? I said, no. Get 10 of your friends, you and 10 of your friends, go say Black Lives Matter, please, because that is what we need, right? Right. Um, So that's just where we say it's important to check yourself. It's important to see, am I making this about me? What, but what is my intention and how can I best move that intention forward? Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. Go ahead, Divya. Oh, sorry. No, I was saying like in cultural appropriation in that regard, like 
I am seeing a lot of people on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Everybody is coming out of their out of the shadow saying like Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. I'm like, but are you going to stick around and actually fight for this? Mm-hmm. You know? And are you just the bandwagon person that just here to say things and then just go back into your own shadow or whatever and go back into the darkness and just expect like okay these people will take care of it that's not what this is about you know it's just make sure to if you're going to do it do it appropriately and do it correctly and understand it realize it and see what action are you bringing into the table so that you can help people move forward that's 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 the big thing i'm like trying to make sure people understand it and i want to speak to this point for a second because i have watched my egoic mind and my energy and my vibration go through this process of evolution just over one week right and when i went to speak up first and to speak up where people because I I kept seeing all of these spiritual teachers who are just like, peace, love, joy, let's just be in the highest vibration. Let's pray for everyone. But there's no work. And they are they keep going back to the all lives matter, the all lives matter. And I spoke out with those people, and I'm not trying to be a white savior here. I'm just trying to show that um, when I did, I felt uncomfortable. I felt a vibration of, am I going to say the right things or is somebody going to come back and say something else? I didn't know. But spirit kept saying, keep pushed through the fear, keep pushed through the fear, keep pushed through the uncomfortableness. And I want everyone who is white listening right now to feel that and to absorb it because I don't think that it is something Um, It's just like any topic that you become knowledgeable on. There are some people who are movie connoisseurs. They can talk about movies for eight hours and have no problem. If there's a subject you don't know much about, you're not talking at the same rate or the same pace because you don't have that knowledge base. And I feel like what my white listeners need to hear is that what Spirit is showing me is that as we continue to learn, We become better advocates, better allies. We can speak more to those points. So keep going and keep advocating, even though it feels uncomfortable at first. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and one more thing about the Black Lives Matter versus the All Lives Matter. We talked about this a little bit on Monday, but I need to make sure that people understand. It's almost, somebody explained it to me as if you have 10 children. You have 10 children of your own, and they're all at the breakfast table, and one hasn't eaten for three days. You are going to make sure that that child is taken care of first, that their needs are recognized, that they are seen, they are heard, they are cared for, and then the other ten child, the other nine children are cared for. It's not that the statement in and of itself is false. It's that it bypasses a huger uh, part of the healing process for black people, which is when we say all lives matter, 
to me, what a black person hears is you don't hear me. You don't see me. You don't recognize and acknowledge that one, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. And two, you have to change. You have to do something about it. You're bypassing my feelings to get to this state of euphoria. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can say like, so when this whole, um, the movement of Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter started, what was that, like three, four years ago when this happened? I mean, I'm going to admit that I immediately went into this, what, why just Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter mode? You know, I was like, everybody is equal. Everybody is, you know, valued, should be valued. But then, I mean, uh, I had my few friends say uh, kind of the same exact story that you have analogy described it I was like oh okay that makes sense it's it's because that they're not being heard they're not being understood that we need to bring them to the forefront and help them understand then we can say like all lives matter and I think they are treated acknowledging yeah like like I if you listen to the first podcast that I did about this um you know, almost two weeks ago now that you're listening, I didn't say the word black once because I didn't know if it was okay. I didn't say the word Mm -hmm. racist once because I didn't know if it was okay. And we have to say it. We have to rip off the Band-Aid. Say the word black. Say the word racist. Get yourself comfortable with those words, those terms. Because say these things, you can't stand up for marginalized people. Exactly. If you say black, you can't say black lives matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just very true. You have yes. to get comfortable with these words so you can stand up for people who are dying. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Uh, um, June, how do you see see this? I mean, did we say that right? The all lives matter versus black lives matter. We need to use the the black lives matter because not doing so is not acknowledging that there's a problem. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Um, It's actually really funny because right before you spoke up about that, I was like, I really feel like it needs to be clarified. (laughs) I was like, we've talked about it a lot, but we haven't actually explained it. So I feel like, um, so I appreciate that. Um, yes. So the analogy that I am most familiar with to tell this story is that, you know, imagine there is a neighborhood and a house is on fire, right? And, and when the fire department shows up, they don't start spraying water on all of the houses because all houses matter. They start spraying water on the house that's on fire because that's the house that needs attention right now, right? So it's obviously not to say that the other houses aren't important, but when we see a crisis, we have to address it. And that's, and that's what it means. If you, if you are unable to, to say that black lives matter, um, then you are just ignoring, absolutely ignoring the reality of what is going on for millions of people today. Mm -hmm. Were you always in Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Um, no, I'm a transplant. I am, well, I was born in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> uh, but when I was four, my mother and I moved to Kansas City, Missouri. Um, well, Kansas City, Kansas, and then eventually Kansas City, Missouri. So that's where I am from. I claim the KC metro area. 
I've been in Sioux Falls, South Dakota for about four years now. Yes. Yeah, about four years. Do you feel a stark difference between the culture in Missouri versus most Midwestern state of country? <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I do feel a big difference. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with the feel of a town like Sioux Falls because I did grow up in the suburbs of Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I grew up in a town called Blue Springs, Missouri, and that's where I went to high school. And that, you know, there are, I would say there was a larger population probably of um, people of color in that town than there are in Sioux Falls, but it was a very similar feel, predominantly white, very suburban. Um, I mean, similar, similar atmosphere, environment, gotcha. things like that. Yeah. Um, but then it was very easy. You could drive 30 minutes to Kansas City and that's where, uh, or to Kansas City, Kansas, and that's where my grandmother lives, my uncle lives, my mother lives. Um, it's a very diverse, very vibrant city. I mean, you know, when you walk down the streets of Kansas City, you can just see so many wonderful kinds of people and just different, uh, like, styles of fashion and people who just get to present all kinds of ways. Um, I love the LGBTQIA plus community um, in Kansas City. Um, that the, the drag culture is really fun and really vibrant. I, I miss things like that. I just miss the, it's just what you get with a bigger city. You have more people, you have more kinds of people. And I know we won't be here forever, but I feel like we're here for a reason. I feel like we have work to do. I definitely had to come here to meet my husband and to start this wonderful life that we are trying to craft for ourselves. Um, but we definitely see a, a change of location in our future, I would say. What other ways or, or experiences that you have had have kind of shifted the way that you live your life as a Black woman? What has shifted, like um, being here in South Dakota versus being in Kansas City? No, just like what other experiences have you had as a black woman that has shifted the way that you live your life versus white people living their lives? I think it's important for people to understand and to see and to feel this so that they realize that every day they're taking things for granted. Absolutely. Well, there's just a sense of awareness that you are quite often the the other in the room, right? The quote unquote other. Uh, sometimes we call it the unicorn in the room, right? Um, so quite often, I'll be honest, and I, I will genuinely say that if I was not with my partner, who is a white man, that I would not still be living in this town because there are a lot of rooms that I do not feel comfortable in. And there are a lot of rooms that I feel like I am granted privilege in because of who I'm with. Right. I feel like my oftentimes my experience here is a little whitewashed because of who I am with. But I will say what informs my experience is that I'm not, I'm not going out by myself at night, really. Um, not that I'm constantly afraid that something might happen, but I wouldn't be like at a, a small town bar or anything like that. 
by myself. But you're just aware that there's there's always a bridge to gap. I remember one of my first days at work at the furniture store where I am the only um, woman of color. One of my coworkers literally reached down and touched my legs. I was wearing a skirt and I wasn't wearing tights. And she was so beside herself that I wasn't wearing tights that she had to touch my skin to make sure that that was why my legs look so tan. I don't know. I don't know. It was just very, things like that. When people just aren't aware of what is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, I've often, I mean, I've been rushed up to in public and, and someone throwing their hands in my hair. Touching your hair. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you're just hyper aware. I mean, on honest, often Mitchell and I get looks. We get stares. We get people who assume that we're not together. Like if we're checking out together in the grocery store, the the clerk will have to to double check and make sure, <laughs> make sure, and things like that. Um, and there's and honestly, there's a lot that I don't see. There's a lot do that I've got. Do you get stared down like why are you with her? Kind of a stare, or like what are you two doing? Kind of a stare. I know it's yeah, we just question, but. For sure. I mean, you get obviously questioning looks. You do get some glares. I mean, you do, you can see, see it on people's faces. Um, you know, we were all covered up with masks. That's, that's something that you just get used to. I mean, do you feel a difference when you're with your partner going out versus Mm -hmm. when just you are going out to things like how, you get treated differently? Um, I mean, I definitely feel um, a little more on edge. I do feel a little more like the unicorn. Because, when you know, you're out by yourself? Yes, when I'm out by myself. Because, I mean, I, I really don't see very many people of color in my day-to-day. There is a growing um, diverse population here in Sioux Falls, but I think we're still like 2% or something like that. Like, not a lot. You know, and I'm I'm a black woman. I'm curvy. I have tattoos. I have natural hair. A lot of times it's down and it's out. And I look very different from your regular, uh, your average Sioux Falls resident, right? So I get a lot of people who are just looking at me because they don't see somebody who looks like me um, on a regular basis. So a lot of that. And, and, you know, some people are, some people just give you a smile. Some people just look at you, look at your, like, you can see people staring at your hair, you know, and like really staring, just like, look at them, you know, give them a smile or something like that, um, you know, things like that. But oftentimes, you know, Mitchell will see a lot more because I'll, I'll honestly, I, I relax when, when Mitchell and I are out together, I'm far more relaxed than when I'm running errands or doing whatever um, by myself. Um, and, you know, because he's, he's my partner, he's, he's a man, he's kind of a bigger guy. So he's got a bit of a presence. I don't I really, really worry. He honestly, if he didn't like know who he was, he might look a little scary. <laughs> he's got like a big beard and a mustache. I think right now, maybe he just has the mustache, but anywho. So, but he's a very observant person and he sees quite often a lot of things that I don't see just because I don't feel like I have to be on my toes when I'm with him. But I think he, he very much is on his toes when I'm with him. 
What I want our listeners to grasp too, because the way that I see energy is that we're so subconscious of our day-to-day interactions and just how much we're filtering through our auric fields, through our chakras, through our physical body. And it's so funny because, you know, when people talk about you behind your back and then you're in person with them... Spirit will show me a lot of times you're feeling a vibration of guilt off of them or you're feeling a vibration and you're, you might just resonate with it at the level of they feel off to me, you know, something doesn't align with their energy. But as you were talking about being in the grocery store and having that experience, what I was feeling in your physical body of just kind of going through that with you was, yes, you have mental thought to it, but a lot of it is just the physical vibration within the body. And I think people need to be aware of that because as a white person, I don't have those fears. You know, like I don't have a fear that when I get in my car and drive, if I am in the middle lane for a while before I choose a lane, that I'm going to get pulled over for that. No fear. Um, I don't have a fear or a perception that when somebody's giving me a weird look in a grocery store that it's based on my skin color. And so I don't have that and I don't see it. I don't feel it. And why we're doing this on the show is so that other people can get it. Other people can feel it. That we're not just talking about a racial like slur or something like your coworker said at work that made you feel uncomfortable. This is an everyday vibration that black people live with that we don't have as white people. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for voicing that and for clarifying that and, and bringing some structure to that. Like I think, I think I said it maybe a little bit differently earlier. Is that you're just aware that you're being run through a filter. You're aware that the person that you're used to seeing every single day, right? I, you know, I don't have to take a moment and pause and figure out how to interact with a white person, right? But that person has to take a moment, right, and remind themselves. Uh, to feel comfortable with you, to adjust with you, and to not be on edge, right? If you're the type of person who would make that adjustment. And, and yes, you are aware that, that everybody is, is running you through a filter and trying to normalize your presence in their life. And as a brown person, I feel like I, I've been implicitly biased sometimes towards doing the same things as well. Like I have to make sure like I put a filter on as well. And, and I receive it and I give it too. And I, I was like, why do you do that? You know, it's a, it's an instant like realization. It's like spirits like telling me like, you don't need to do that. Just Mm -hmm. treat them normal, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and it's, it's a, it's an unlearning as a colored person myself that I have to do to say that that's not right. You know, you have to give the same kind of um, respect mm-hmm. and a same level of love that you're giving to another person who is of same color and or, you know, or a white person. And that's not just fair. And I it's a realization that I had on my own. But a lot of people still don't realize that who are a person of color as well. 
where they come in with a racial bias and they come in with, you know, previous prejudices or the things that they were born with where it's like a subconscious thing that happens as soon as you see a person of color, they either have to filter it or like, or just be like, oh, shoot, I cannot say certain things. Society, culture, our media that we're fed has done such a good job of dehumanizing people of color, done such Mm -hmm. a thorough job of teaching you how to feel when you see a certain kind of black person or brown person or, you know, any kind of minority has been given a role in what we're fed day to day. And it's not, it's not just white people. Black people have implicit bias. You know, black people are, are victims of this kind of brainwashing in the same way that you, that black people oftentimes fear each other and you have to figure out why you have to grapple with that, that what I have been fed is that I am bad. You know, black people have to do extra work to see themselves as fully worthy human beings because you're not only taught to fear other people, but when you look in the mirror, what do you see? And now you have to unlearn all of that language tearing you down. You have to unlearn all of that and remind yourself that you are fully worthy of the full goodness of life. You're fully worthy of your humanity, of not being shot in the street, of not being arrested for driving while black, of not being subject to any one of these systematically racist, (sighs) sorry, that there is just, there are so many layers of this that have to be addressed. Right. Within the white community, within the black community, there are so many things that we have to unlearn and change before we can have a fully healthy society. Oh, sorry for getting on my soapbox. (laughs) No, 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 it's totally fine. And how has your spiritual journey helped you recognize those things. Before we go into that, I kind of want to go deeper because I just want to make sure that the listeners got the last point. And I try so much in this podcast to use where my ego ego comes in and my egoic mind comes in so that you can see it. And June, as you were speaking about this, they showed me my own interactions with black women, black men, and white men, and white women. When I interact with a white woman, I don't check myself at all. I am fully present. I am fully engaged. I am fully and authentically me, right? When I encounter uh, a white man, I have some standoff because I have been so hurt by men in the past. I was talking about this in the last episode that I put up a filter, but not to the same degree I'm feeling within myself as I look back as the, at these interactions as black men. And when it comes to my interactions with black women, they're showing me one in particular uh, woman that I run into often who I just adore. I always say to myself, am I going to say something wrong? 
am I going to say something wrong? I can see that constantly being an energy within me, a thought within me. And I can feel the energy of just fully being myself with white women. And I can feel that checked energy. I, I never saw it before you addressed it in this conversation. So I'm so grateful to you for bringing this up because I never put myself in her shoes too and said, how would this make her feel? And I see and hear what you're saying, that that energy that you feel back from me is, am I worthy? That's powerful. And I am so sorry to anyone listening who has felt that from me. I'm so sorry. Thank you for that, Julie. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, uh, there's a lot of work to do, friends. There's a lot of work to do. Um, we all have so much inner work to do. We all have so much learning to do from one another. And what I don't want is for people to get into a place of shame and guilt over this. Do those feelings need to be processed? Yes. Um, I'm watching my partner right now grapple and struggle and feel this ugly shame. But you know what? He's calling it out. He's calling out that shame and he's facing it and he's staring it down and he's going to face it head on and he's going to come out the other side better for it. And he's going to take that energy and make it productive. He's going to take that knowingness that he has now and put it to use. I really do believe that. I just don't want people getting stuck in a place of shame and guilt and then not doing anything productive with that energy. Because I'm sure, Julie, you've said it a hundred times, that is the lowest vibration Mm -hmm. and it is not going to serve our ultimate purpose. Do you need to, to grapple with it? Is that human? Yes. It's okay to process that, but please, 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 please don't stay there. Mm-hmm. Don't stay in that negative place and feel like, oh, I could have done this. I should have done this. Yes. And you know what? That's great. If you have a map that you can point to of every time you feel like you didn't show up when you should have showed up, if you can see where you failed, if you wish you hadn't said this, if you wish you had said that, if you want to redo an interaction with someone, fantastic. Now you have a roadmap. Now you have something that you can look at. So when you're looking at it, the future and those situations come up again, when your aunt says that again, you know, when your friend had too much to drink and they think it's okay to say this and that, now you know exactly how to show up and now you're not going to do it again because you have the language, you have the education and you know, and now you know how to recognize the situation. And you know that you don't want to feel shame. You don't want to feel guilty. You don't want to feel like you didn't show up for black, brown, marginalized people once again. Yeah. You have a map. Yeah. You know? And that's what it takes. We have to learn from our mistakes and move forward, which is the most human thing to do. Mm-hmm. It really is. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you said that because you're right, that shame has been there. And it almost feels like a grief over the last week of of, um, it is shame, it's guilt, it's grief. It's how could I have ever not seen this? How could I have ever 
Yeah, it's just a total, how could I have not seen this? And we don't want to get stuck in that because when we wallow in that, it's too much, it's too heavy, and we don't take action. I want to bring women, black women on this podcast who have developed courses for white women, white men to take so that they are benefiting from the income of taking those courses through them online, which they go through and they show, okay, that roadmap, when this happens, this is what you do because I don't have that knowledge and um, it's something that I am committed to doing for the long haul, the marathon, my whole life and I can't learn it all at once. So I'm going to learn step by step and I'm going to make some step uh, mistakes along the way, but I'm going to keep going and keep teaching and keep bringing that message here because we need it. And I'm so grateful to our podcast listeners who I can so feel the energy. They're like, yes, let's do this. Because the more we do this, the more we grow and spiritual growth as well. Spirit, being spiritual doesn't mean that you can't be angry at the same time. Being spiritual doesn't mean that we just sit in love and joy and don't take action. We take action when action is necessary and action is necessary right now because there is a problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I really feel like collectively we are in such a time of opportunity for growth, um, such a time to collectively heal and move forward but we have to bring everyone along, right? Like we are only as strong as, as the weakest, as the weakest, right? So we have to, to heal each other. We have to allow these systems to be undone. These systems that are allowing these disparities to exist, the systems that allow cop after cop after cop after white supremacists running down the street with a gun to get away with murder literally time and time again. The systems that keep black people and brown people out of housing, the systems that keep people poor, these are all things that can be undone. And that is really a part of the larger work that needs to be done right now. We need to heal these relationships so that we can heal these systems because these systems are what is doing such great injustice in this country. When I don't have the same opportunity as my neighbor to have fulfillment in life, to have the same, to get into the same rooms, to make the same wage, to be regarded in the same way so that we can have these vital relationships that are needed for success, right? For the American dream, what we're all after, we all just want to be happy, have healthy families, healthy lives. And in order for all of us to have access to do that, that work starts here, but by and large, the next step is taking down those systems. I just want everyone to have that on their minds. <laughs> and it is. And it's a conversation that we need to have. I feel like it's a really large conversation. And I want to have somebody else on to talk more to that point of um, it does start with economics. And what can we do? Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things right now has not just been don't burden your black 
female friends with all of these questions because they're exhausted right now too. But why are you asking for all of this education for free? This is work that has had to be put in by people. And just the way that you take my angel communication course, they, there are black women who have created courses that you can go through over a number of weeks to learn this information. We don't have to be hounding other people for it or you know, apologizing profusely um, and asking them f- to teach us. It's there. All of the information is there. It's up to us to, in our own time, behind closed doors, not for kudos, not for gold stars, to dive into and digest this information because there is white privilege. And we have not, in my case, I have not seen it. And I am part of the problem for not seeing it, but I have committed to changing that and to showing that journey here so that you listening can learn right alongside me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do we have time? Um, (laughs) (laughs) No. I just want to say, June, you are a beautiful person inside and out and Whoever doesn't see it needs to see it. Mm. That's all I want to say. <laughs> Thank you. That's very sweet of you. You're 100%. So- yeah. Did, and what did you ask, June? Did you ask if we have time uh, for sure. something? Yes. I, had, I just had a couple of little things that I wanted to throw onto that as well. Um, awesome. Yes. <laughs> sorry. Apparently, we can talk about this all day long. No one Black person speaks for all Black people. I just want to throw it out there. If you've got black friends, yes, please have conversations with them, but don't put the burden of the perspective of all black people onto the only black people that you know, because all of our experiences are so vast and so varied and we are individual people just like you and all of your experiences. I don't expect every white person that I um, talk to to be the experience of even a majority of white people. So just grant people that little bit of peace. Know that it is stressful. Know that we're processing a lot. Know that we're learning a lot. I've, I've been learning this week. Um, I've been, my perspective have been, has been shifting this week. I've been seeing where I've been naive, where I've been um, too trusting or not seeing the degree to which things are what they are. So yeah, just know that yeah, we all are under a lot of stress. So let's not yeah, add stress to people by, by assuming that their perspective is, is all perspectives. June, what else do you need from white people? I, or brown. <laughs> or brown, yes. <laughs> or brown people, yes. We just need to have uncomfortable conversations. We do. We really do. Um, and there are so many – oh, I'm sorry. There was one more thing that I wanted to say. I forgot. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Give black women your money, (laughs) please, if you can. But also, if you don't have money to give anyone right now, there are so many free and wonderful conversations being had all over the internet right now. Code Switch from NPR is a fantastic podcast hosted by two people of color. There is uh, Still Processing, a fantastic show sponsored by the New York Times, hosted by two um, queer people of color. There is 
sorry, that one slipped my mind, but there is um, a podcast that is produced from prison. Julie, do you, have you heard of that one? No, but I want to check all of these out. Um, you know what? If I take a moment to pull up my list of podcasts right here, I can tell you because that's a fantastic one that I have really enjoyed listening to. Ear Hustle, Ear Hustle, H-U-S-T-L-E, is literally produced from a prison, um, San Quentin, I believe, and it is hosted by um, one white woman and one man who is in prison, and there is a lot of perspective you can get. Actually, I believe one of the most the host now actually just took the place of one of the, um, a host who was actually, he got to go live his life. He was released. Just, there are so many podcasts. You can literally Google uh, black podcasts or black hosted podcasts because I do it because I need these people in my ears as well. Um, and these are just wonderful, raw conversations with so much perspective. And you can learn so much if you feel like you don't have resources to take a class. It's there if you want it. That is fantastic. I love that. Thank you, June. Yes. Divya, did you have another question for June? I do. Are we okay with time? <laughs> I know we're <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, we are. Okay. Well, I, I guess the question that I asked was, how did your spiritual journey help with your growth as a person or a growth in who you are with your identity? With my identity. I will say that my spiritual journey hands down saved my life. Before I really began to explore spirituality, I was in one of the darkest places, probably the darkest place of my life. Um, I was feeling very isolated. It was while I was living here in Sioux Falls and um, I was working, not where I work now, but I was working in a place where I just very, it was, it was very isolating. I was definitely the only woman of color. Um, I was facing a lot of, 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 of racism in my workplace that no one could see but me because it felt normal to everybody else. And I felt like I was very much stuck there. And so I turned to, well, it was just meditation. I turned to just meditation to find some peace in the day. And that was the door that unlocked this world of all of these wonderful things that have helped me to grow into a solid person. Um, I, I always knew I was a strong person. I always knew that I had what it took to create the life that I want, but I felt like I was under a rock for such a long time. And meditation helped me to realize that I can choose exactly how I'm going to feel every single moment of the day, right? So all I have to do is remember. All I have to do is remember to be right here in this moment. And then this moment can be a fantastic moment if I want it to be. And that gave me so much power that helped me leave a job that was sucking the life out of me. It helped me make a career shift. It helped me recognize when um, I was starting to run into barriers at my, at my work now. And uh, Julie, the other day when we were um, having our session, you talked about my throat chakra. I had been doing work because I felt like 
you know, I need to be able to speak up, stand up, advocate for myself at work specifically, because I have a partner who I get to watch. I get to watch him be so driven, be so assertive um, to he's literally created two jobs for himself where he works under the company right now. And he says what he wants and he makes it happen and he commands that respect from his superiors. And I was like, too, it, I just by watching him, I realized that I was not taught to do this for myself by any, anyone in my circle. I was not taught to do this in school. And that what he had inherently as this knowingness of what he was worthy of that I had to learn, but you better believe I was going to learn it. And spirituality was that avenue for me to just realize that everything I needed to unlock was within myself and I'm still learning and I'm still unlocking and I'm still searching for answers, but I've found so much. And the reason that I can walk into an all white workplace every single day with a smile on my face is because I know who I am because I know that I'm not a, a woman or a, a black body, or a 20-whatever-year-old, that I am a soul, I am a light, I am a spirit, and I am here to do work. And whatever it takes to get it done, we're going to get it done. And I, other than unlocking that through spirituality, I don't know how you do it. So um, yes, it has saved my life, and it has shown me who I am. So I want to talk about this oh, for yeah. a second, because there has been so much talk recently too about spiritual bypassing, right? And I don't have this totally down, but I see what people are saying where they're saying when you're just posting about being in love or being positive or being in peace, um, being in high vibration, that you are bypassing action steps to learn who you are, to do work, to figure out what your egoic mind is bringing to you, which is a huge part of this work that I feel badly about that we haven't dived into more deeply within this podcast. And where do you feel like you have seen spiritual bypassing? Have you seen it? Have you been aware of it? And what can we do to shift that? Um, so this is a new term for me. So I'm just going to clarify. So spiritual bypassing, basically just making the, the high vibration, the goal and not the internal work. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Where they're talking about how, when we spiritually bypass, it's like the phrase, let it go. Okay. Where, or, okay. or somebody who says, just accept what is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those might be a different time for a different day. But right now, what we need to do is check our egoic mind and to dive deep within our subconscious. We need to see black. We need to see white. We need to see the division so that we can acknowledge the problem so that we can address it so that we can make the changes. Okay. So are you talking about the energy of like, oh, I don't, I don't see color. Everything's fine. We're all good to go. We don't have to talk. We don't have to address your trauma because we can just lean into everything is okay. Right. Okay. So I'm going to read. No, June, you don't get it. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think this is how I understand spiritual bypassing. So for me, not um, feelings, let's just take like anger. If you do not understand anger, you do not understand excitement. 
right? You have to know what anger is to go through the journey to feel the excitement. Mm -hmm. Some people just go from neutral to excitement, not knowing what the anger is. That's how I understand spiritual bypassing it. Here's how I was seeing it. So I'm actually just reading somebody's post that I chose to comment on this week. And And I chose to comment because if it was anybody else, I probably wouldn't have. But she's a spiritual teacher, and she is teaching a large following of other people. And what she chose to write early on in the week is choosing to focus on the good, anything good, versus resonating on all of the bad can change so much. What we think about, we bring about. This is America. We have coronavirus, but 99% of those who contract it will survive. We have some racists, but 99.99% of people you meet are colorblind and don't have a racial bone in their body. We have some bad cops, but 99.99% of the law enforcement personnel you encounter will risk their lives to save yours. If you choose to see evil, then evil is all you see. As for me, I choose to see the good in people. My heart is full. Um, I've got nothing but love for you all. And this is what I wrote back. Being colorblind is part of the problem. How can our black brothers and sisters heal if we as spiritual community do not even acknowledge their hurt, their pain, when we do not acknowledge that there is, in fact, a problem in the first place? And there is a problem, but your post of positivity bypasses that. And if 99% of pilots were good at landing planes, but 1% of them crashed, I would not feel safe flying a plane. From one spiritual teacher to another, your post is spiritually bypassing and gaslighting. And it's a huge part of the problem that you're actually encouraging others within your base to do the same. As spiritual teachers, we must educate ourselves on spiritual bypassing and how hurtful it is to the black community. My message to all my base has been feel love and pray for peace, but only while taking action in the way you feel called by spirit. Absolutely. I see what you're saying now. Okay. So when I see something like that, I mean, it's just someone revealing their privilege, right? And their blindness to it. If you can sit comfortably in your seat and close your eyes, that's because you have the privilege to do so. That's because you're not worried about your son being pulled over and murdered and no one paying for it because you're not worried about being disenfranchised because no one is in your backyard threatening your rights and your family and your safety and your day-to-day mental health, right? And what we have to do is lovingly call to people's attention their privilege when they don't see it. And I believe you did that. And I appreciate you responding to that person because that is dangerous when you're in a place of power, when you have an audience and what you're feeding that audience is not the truth when you haven't done the work on yourself, when you haven't checked yourself to make sure that what you're putting out into the world is beneficial to everyone, not just people in your seat, everyone. That is when it is so dangerous, right? Because then you're spreading that idea that if we all just look away We don't have to say black lives matter, all lives matter, anything. We can just 
keep going about our day to day. And I'll tell you, as someone who's on the other side of that, that is one of the most frustrating things in the world. Because when I can barely keep it together, when I feel the heaviness, the weight, the grief, the sadness of knowing what is going on, knowing what is happening to my spiritual brothers and sisters, knowing what is, is knowing that at any moment, if my body was in a different place at a different time, not even different time period. I mean, today, you know what I mean? That I might not make it out of a situation simply because of the way I look that because I'm here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I am in this bubble of where I have white people around me who care for me. And I have privilege by proxy because I have people in a community where I can go and you know me and, and you're going to look out for me in this certain space right? If I don't have that, I can't communicate. I can't communicate with you. You don't understand. If you're not even calling, if you're not even validating that my reality is reality, I am alone in, in the truth of this grief, right? I carry it around and there's no one to even share it with, right? When I walk into work, I can't even vent. I can't even talk to you because it's not on your radar. Because everything is peace and love and joy and nothing is wrong when people are bleeding and dying and grieving, you know? And yes, there is a place and time for every conversation, for every emotion. We have to, unfortunately, because we're human, we have these lives. We have to have some structure. We have to put things into a box. But things don't always fit into a box. You know, if I wake up in the morning and the first thing I see is that grief, and I have to go right into work, and I don't have time to meditate, to cry it out, to vent it out. I'm just carrying that energy with me all day. And the reality of this closed mind perspective is that no one is sharing that with me, right? No one is sharing that with a lot of people. These conversations are uncomfortable to have, but please have them with your coworkers. Please don't walk into work and pretend like nothing is going on. Um, I applaud that my partner, I can hear him. He works from home and I can hear him every day, literally every day, having these uncomfortable conversations with his coworkers. And sometimes I pop into the office and he's got tears running down his face and sometimes he's angry and, and what have you. But we're in a time where it's really important to call to the fore the truth of this reality, that the, the work that we do normally will always be there to be done. But let's just make sure that we're looking at this and we're getting this work done because it has been on the back burner for far too long and we can't keep going like this. We will not survive like this. I love you, June. You're amazing. I love you. Divya, thank you for being here and being my co-host the second time around. Oh, no problem. Thank you again for giving me the opportunity. Like, I am going through nowhere half as what June is going through. but, But I feel your pain. I sympathize with your pain. And... I want to do whatever it takes to help people have these uncomfortable conversations um, and, you know, awaken themselves, realize and be aware of who you are and what you're 
doing to the environment or what you're helping others to do. That has been a very, very passionate thing of mine. And I think June is feeling the same thing too. Uh, so I I completely understand it. I appreciate you and the work that you do in your day-to-day too, Divya. I'm sure that you're having a very unique localized experience as well. And I, I just, I send you love and light too for your day-to-day. And I just, I hope that you continue to just do well. Oh, same to you, June. Same, same. I hope we run across each other sometime in this lifetime. And yeah. like, June! <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got my, my eye on some of your classes, Julie. I want to be able to make it out to Chicago one of these days. Actually, you know, Carly, uh, Carly Baker. She is, um, actually she's my boss. (laughs) She's one of my bosses. And, um, I introduced her to your podcast, no big deal. And, (laughs) um, we talked quite a bit about trying to, um, coordinate a trip to uh, Chicago to take one of your classes. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, there's a couple of things I want to say before people log off here. Uh, June, was it you and I in last week's session that we're talking about the camera? Yeah, we did talk about a camera. Okay. So June is going to be doing a lot within her future of showcasing her interior design styles on social media. And I feel within my heart, spirit is whispering it, um, that there is someone out there listening who's like, I have a nice camera that I am not using and I have no intention to use. If that is you, will you please email me and we will get you connected to June because I want to make sure she gets a nice camera to be able to, she does some photography on the side to make sure, um, because we were talking about that camera in the session the other day, and this is the way that we can support one another. I also feel, Divya and June, that there's something more here I love how spirit just helps things to be pushed along and evolve. To our listeners, to you both, um, Divya and June, if you feel like there's something more we can do here, if there's another element that we're missing, tell me. We're going to dive into it. Okay. Yeah, let's definitely continue this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there is a lot here. I think we can go further than than this talk. Yeah, right, definitely. And I think three of us pretty well spark each other up really good. (laughs) Um, And I think we could definitely use that connection to do something more for sure. I definitely feel that. Yes, absolutely. I feel like that too. Well, it will come to us and spirit will bring it to us when we're ready. Just like Divya. I so thank Divya because she emailed me last week and she's like, Julie, there's something here. There's something that you can do with bringing stories of racism so that people can feel what that is um, right. and and resonate with it and identify with it and change it within themselves by just hearing it. So Divya, th- these two podcasts, Monday and Thursday, would not have happened without you um, bringing this idea to me. So I, I so thank you. And the questions that you asked and the way that you presented yourself, I could see too where there's a difference between you as a brown woman who resonates and who gets so much of this already versus me where I do feel like that infant and that baby. And 
you know, I'm okay making fun of myself. You know, I'm okay showing my egoic mind. I have been since day one on the podcast because that's what spirit said that this podcast was about. That if I don't show where I'm messing up or where I'm thinking wrong, that other people can't see it within themselves too. So I hope that this has helped people listening that through me showing my flaws that you can see the change and the action that needs to be taken within your own life too. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And I really hope like uh, people come to you with their experiences and it won't be the end of just these two podcasts. And even if it's like writing to you like, hey, this is what I experienced and I want people to hear this. Uh, so please read it in your podcast or, you know, dropping a note on your on your Facebook or your whatever social yeah. medias that you have. I think if we can, is if there's a way to keep continuing this conversations, I think it'll help not just us, but obviously everybody in the world to awaken to. Um, hopefully economically and politically make changes in the future. Yeah, absolutely. That's our plan is to incorporate this. And what I see happening is that there is a spiritual division kind of right now coming up where there are people, there are two camps being set up. One is the camp of thought where they're resistant to taking action and to taking change. And they just want to live in that high vibration, that peace, that joy. I'm not there. You know, that's not me. I can't do that. There is so much injustice here. It's time to fight. Jesus went in and he flipped the tables. Why? Because people were coming to town, outsiders, for Passover. And what was happening was that businessmen in the church were taking animals and money. They were taking more than their share. And he went in and he turned the tables around. He flipped them over. He was angry. He was able to be the son of God and hold anger at the same time. And we can be Mm -hmm. spiritual beings and be angry and take action at the same time. And so much of what I have heard over the last week, listening to According to Wheeze, listening to Sincerely Letty, Listening to Maisha, um, I'll put her podcast in the show notes because I can't remember the name off the top of my head, is that all of them come from this thought and you can feel it, you can see it where there is therapy basis to what they say, right? Anybody who has been through therapy knows Mm -hmm. that there are ways that we have to look at ourselves, we have to go within, we have to unpack our wrongs and unlearn in order to relearn. And that is the spiritual path that I want to lead my listeners on because it's the spiritual path that I want to be on. It's not okay. It's not enough to say, let it go. It's not okay. It's not enough to say, be happy with what is. No. We have therapy. We have work to do. And the energy that I have felt over the last week is just that being in marriage therapy for the last like five years straight, that's what the energy feels like. Because when you are in marital 
therapy, it feels uncomfortable and you have to learn new terminology and you have to learn how to communicate again. And that is what we're in. It's just in a different way. But, oh my God, I'm a different person because of that. And I am going to be a different person a year from now and five years from now because the women that I just mentioned, you, June, Weezy, Maisha, Letty, they all know how to use their voice. And I can say this 100% as a white woman, even though I have a podcast and I have been speaking for the last year and a half, that I don't speak to my husband. I have had to learn how to speak my voice. I have had to learn how to speak to my mother to every person in my life. And I am still learning within that. And I'm actually so, I'm sorry if this is the wrong thing to say, but I'm so excited because I feel like the podcast has come, had come to like this stale point of just, I didn't know which way to go. This is it. There is therapy here to be done. There is spiritual work here to be done. And that's the the place that I want to take it. Let's interview therapists. I want to have all the women that I mentioned today on the podcast. I have not reached out to them because all of the coaches on Facebook have been like, overload, so tired, so (laughs) exhausted. And I don't want them to see me coming to them being like, oh my God, who are you? I will have everybody on. We have I would so even much. add like even other religious leaders too. Yeah. I think they also bring in a very different perspective of spirituality and religion to the race because when you're in a religious sect, you only see certain sect of people. Yeah. And I think it'd be crazy thing to see how they dwell dwell with this situation and how they help move forward. I think that'd be very interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of ideas going on in my head now. <laughs> so June, any final words? You thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Divya. Thank you, Julie, for this platform for putting out this vibration, educating people, creating this as a resource. That's what this is. These types of conversations are educational resources. And that's really fantastic. I did feel like I just wanted to remind people not to feel too bad. I know we talked about shame and yes, feel responsible, hold yourself accountable, all of that. But when you see the ugly parts of yourself, don't look away. Don't recoil. Remember that you are a soul. Remember that you are a spirit and that this is an experience and that we are all here learning how to be better, that we can't get to the next place until we've learned those lessons. We've made those mistakes. We see what work is there to be done and then we do it and we grow forward. So just remember that as we start to do this work, and you see things that you don't like about yourself, that that is, you observe it. Mm -hmm. Observe it the way you would observe anything else about yourself. If you're in the practice of being the watcher, right? Of being that soul and watching uh, this human experience that you're having, just remember that you are not the, you were not defined, you were not made up of that 
energy that you find that you don't like. That's powerful. That is. And that's why we need part two of this. (laughs) (laughs) We could talk forever about this. (laughs) Yes, we can. Yes, we can. (laughs) Okay. Ladies, I love both of you so much. Thank you so much for being here. Listeners, thank you so much for being here, for joining this conversation for being committed to doing your work because I feel it. I know that you are and I know that you're excited about where we're going to go and grow together. I love you all. Spirit loves you so much. Open up your heart to all of the unexpected blessings that they're trying to bring into your life right now. Absolutely. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you.